Rochester Church of Christ is called to live God's gospel, truth, and love with the world so that we all may find life together in God. Our hope is that this message will share that gospel, truth, and love in a way that will bless you, enrich you, and better equip you as a disciple. And stay standing. We're going to begin with a reading from the Word. It is our tradition to stay standing when we read the Word of God and honor God and God's Word. From Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. And from chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night, and they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of a sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Heavenly Father, I can't wait. God, I am thankful that you are king, that you are ruler and sovereign of this universe, and yet somehow we can come to you and you hear us and you care and you've not left us alone and you are active that you are for us, that you are with us, that you come and dwell inside of us. Speak, Father, for your children are listening. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Growing up in church, as I did, we talked a lot about heaven. 
We sang a lot about heaven. But the heaven we talked about, if I'm being completely honest, didn't sound a whole lot like this passage, at least some parts of it. We had the whole no pain, no dying, no tears thing. We were, we were there, right? No tears in heaven fair. No tears, no tears up there. Sorrow and pain will all, like we, we, we knew that it was going to be all right. But in terms of, of other parts of it, we, we didn't talk about it like it was a real physical location. I mean, we, we talked about it like it was in the sky somewhere up there. It was up, not down. We talked about it like it was not a real physical location, but it was a, a home in the great beyond. It was a reward. It's, it's pie in the sky, by and by. And, 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 and honestly, I'll fly away to it. <laughs> Basically, what I was taught is that at some point in the future, Jesus was going to show up whoop the devil, and then take us to heaven to be with him forever while this planet we've been living on was destroyed. Okay, in a word, heaven was escape. That when, when we talked about heaven, fundamentally, heaven was escape. But that's not what the Bible shows us about heaven According to the Bible, and this is, this is kind of the premise for the day, according to the Bible, heaven is a literal place with a literal physical people spending forever in the presence of God. You say, maybe. All right, well, look at all the materiality in the text. In chapter 21 and verse 9, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away to the Spirit, to the great mountain that is high, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It's coming down. And it shone with the glory of God with brilliance like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates. With the twelve gates or with the twelve angels at the twelve gates. And on the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were gates, three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. There's a wall, and the wall has twelve foundations. And on their names are written the apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide... He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 1,200 stadia in length and as wide and as high and as long. The angel measured the wall. Using human measurement, it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate. I've stopped knowing what these looked like. The fourth emerald, hey, I'm back. The fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite lost me again. The eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, maybe. I think it's brown. The tenth turquoise, I think that one's turquoise. The eleventh, Jason, I think that one's made up. And then the twelfth, amethyst, don't know. 
sure you know. <laughs> and, and I want to talk to y'all for a minute. I've been begging for 12 years for y'all to talk back to me. And y'all will give me like an amen every now and then. All of a sudden I get amethyst wrong and y'all are like, it's purple. As a group. Fair enough. I'll take it where I can get it. The 12 gates are each pearls. The great city is made of gold. Do you hear the materiality? That it's made of something. And a, did you notice what wasn't there? There's gates, there's walls, there's roads, there's foundations. But you know what there's not? There's not disembodied spirits playing harps on clouds. You see, that is from Tom and Jerry. <laughs> not your Bible. If God wanted disembodied spirits playing harps, guess what God could have made? disembodied spirits that played harps. But what did God make? He made this world and God made us. People with actual bodies that can also learn the harp. According to this text, we don't go there, rather heaven's coming down to us. You see, I want to be clear about that, and, 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 and I want to be clear about it for this reason. This is not an escape story. This is a redemption story. You say, wait, 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 wait a second, Adam. What about that passage in 1 Peter that talks about God destroying the world with fire? Ah, I know that one too. It's not destroyed with fire, it's refined with fire, and there's a difference. God is not conceding creation to the enemy. The point of the apocalypse is not to call for an escape, but to inaugurate a new creation. You know, the prophets have been talking about this for a while already. I've told you, most of the stuff that we encounter in this book, almost none of it's new. Okay, what God has been talking about the whole time has been this, and the prophets have been saying it. I mean, in Isaiah 35, he says that the deserts are going to bloom with flowers. In Isaiah chapter 11, he says the wolf is going to live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed the bear, will feed with the bear. <laughs> Big difference. That cow is like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> the young, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. Mom still ought to probably stop that. They'll neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God is not ceding creation to the enemy. God is redeeming creation. From the enemy. You see, God is the creator. Amen. 
The first thing we know about God from Scripture is that God is creator. Here's what I want to tell you. God as creator is not only a past tense thing. It's not that God created. It's that God is the creator. God did create in the past. God is still creating now. And do you know what God's going to do in the future? Create. That God is still the creator. This is why the new creation echoes the first creation. All right? That when we talked about it, there's a new Jerusalem, there's a new heaven and a new earth, beautifully adorned. If you look at chapter 22, what did it sound like? Water of life, down the middle of the street, on each side of the river, there's the tree of life. When's the last time we saw that in the Bible? Genesis, the Garden of Eden. We've come back home. There's a garden, there's the tree of life. And most importantly, don't let this slip by you. And if it did, don't worry, I've got most of the next part of the sermon about it. <laughs> Verse 3 of Revelation 22, there is no more curse. You've got the garden, you've got the tree of life, and you have no more curse. Okay, this is the curse of Genesis chapter 3. That when they sinned to Adam, God says, cursed is the ground because of you. This is Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. By the sweat of your, or it will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you'll return. Okay, that the point is when Adam and Eve sinned, it did not just affect them. It affected the whole creation. Because this is why it's dangerous for people to say, it's all right if I do something other than what God wills. It's okay if I sin because I didn't hurt anybody. Your assumption is that your sin only affects you. The Bible has never said that. In fact, what it says is the parts that we don't really love to hear. Like when it talks about the sins of the Father being visited upon the Son. Generations later, it talks about how when, when Adam and Eve sinned that it, it causes all of creation to go into crisis. The ground is affected. The world is cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you. And, and, and I want to be clear, I'm not making this up. I'm going to call in as my witness Paul. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to start in verse 19. Actually, I'm going to start in 18. I know I didn't tell you all 18, but don't worry about it. I'm going to, I'm going to start in 18 because I want you to know where I am and I want you to feel good about it for a moment. 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us. Verse 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Who's waiting for the children of God to be revealed? Creation. For the creation, verse 20, was subjected to frustration. Creation is cursed. Okay, Genesis 1, God made the world. Genesis 3, the world's no longer the way God made it. Sin and evil have entered the world. There is a curse that is something that we live with here. And, and this is the way it is. It's, and it's waiting, verse 21, that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Interesting. It's, it's, it's that all of creation can't wait for redemption, not just people can't wait for redemption. Ooh. And it says it feels terrible. It hurts. What, 22, we know that whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth up till this time. It's groaning because it hurts. But here's the deal. You feel like you're dying, but you're not dying. What you're feeling is childbirth, and it's painful. This is new birth. This is not a destruction or escape story. This is a redemption story. And now we get to Revelation 21 and 22, and we tend to talk about post-apocalyptic. When we talk about post-apocalyptic things, we tend to make it pretty negative. We talk about it's a wasteland. We talk about Mad Max kind of looking ground, okay, in worlds. We talk about things where there's nothing, where it's, where it's dry and it's nuclear meltdown and, and it's scorched earth. But God, post-apocalypse, sees something else. God talks about something new. God talks about something bursting with life. Because there's no more curse. There's only the will of God. And God is the God of life. God is the creator. Creation unchecked. So let's talk a little bit about this new heaven and new earth. In chapter 21 it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. There was no longer any sea. Why is there no longer a sea? Okay, in the ancient world the sea for most cultures represented chaos. Uncontrollable things. Powerful chaos. Okay? That's what it represented. So by the time we get to the new creation, God has made order out of chaos again. And there is no more sea. Perhaps nothing about this new heaven and earth resonates more with our souls than the promises of Revelation 21 4. No more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more pain. As the prophet Mary J. Blige would say it, no more drama. Wherever God is present, there is no more chaos. 
Revelation chapter 22 and verse 2 says that the tree of life is there and the leaves growing everywhere on it grow all year round and they exist for the healing of the nations. When I see that I get excited because the first thing I notice is that it means the nations are there. Not just one nation, but many nations. As a matter of fact, Revelation 21, 24 said that the nations are there and their kings, their rulers are there. You see, every culture is welcomed and celebrated in the new creation. Every people, every culture brings forth their gifts and their glories and their beauty so that they can glorify God forever. Okay, so can I, can I go one step further with that? Because I'm going to be honest, I spent a little time thinking about this. And sometimes my mind gets a little weird. And I just let it go. Sometimes I do what I call green light thinking and I'm like, be as weird as you want, mind. And it's like, got it, boss. But I was thinking about this, that, that God is creator that God will continue to create, that there's new creation and it is populated with renewed and redeemed people, real nations and cultures that are bringing forth their gifts to glorify God. What if, I know, I know that when we talk about heaven we talk about eternity and we just sort of press pause at like, our favorite part of the worship service and say, that's what it'll be like forever. What if creation continues to flourish? What if the people in this new heaven and earth with actual physical bodied people in it where the nations are celebrating in their cultures, what if humanity continues to grow and flourish and continues to develop in this physical world new science, new technology, new poetry, new art, all of it untainted by sin and brokenness? Wouldn't that be something? And the gates never close because there's no enemies to keep out. Maybe the most shocking part that we don't notice as much but they noticed it would be verse 22 of chapter 1 where it says, I didn't see a temple in the city. Well, hold on. We're here in this new world and this new, new, new heaven and new earth to, to worship God forever and now you're telling us there's not a sanctuary. That, that's, a, that's a plot twist worth noting. But he says there's, there's no temple. There's no temple there because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. You see that what has happened in heaven is that there is the bursting. The whole world has become the holy of holies. That when Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn. That the Holy of Holies began to break out into all of the world. And it's no longer at the very center, just this core, where it's so holy that only one person can come. Now that the sacrifice has been made, it's opened up. And by the end, it has taken over everything. 
There's not a temple because we're already in it. And we're in the very center of it, the dwelling place with God present. And, and we're experiencing every, ever-increasing joy. We're invited into the heart of the triune God of the universe. Think about that. In the new heaven and earth, we experience ever-increasing joy, not because the sunsets will be prettier. That turns out there is no sun. Keep reading. The Lamb is its light. We experience ever-increasing joy because Jesus is present. And this changes everything. You see, actually, the heart of the matter is in verse 3 of chapter 21, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They'll be His people and, and God Himself will be with them and, and, and He'll be their God. You see, this is the vision of the future that helps when you are heartbroken. This is the vision of the future that helps when you feel like you can't go on. This is the vision of the future that helps you understand Paul even having the audacity to say, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. This is, is how Paul is going to say, our light and momentary struggles are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us. He knows this. And you know what he knows? This is what else he knows. And this is from chapter 22 and verse 4. And this is amazing. Here's what he knows. They will see his face. Can you go ahead and come up? I heard a, I heard a pastor recently reflect on this. And I, I don't know that I could put it any better, and so I'm just going to use his words. Um, he said it like this. I've followed Jesus for a really long time. I've been... These are not his words anymore. These are mine. I, I followed Jesus for a long time. I, I, I've been a Christian, a baptized believer for well over 30 years. I've got a little, got a little time built up here. I've rejoiced. I have wept. I have felt undone. I have felt done. I have wrestled with him and I have argued with him and I have never been forsaken by him. I have been protected by him and I have been defended by him. He has rescued me. He has redeemed my bloodline. 
He has held me fast. And in the darkest moments of my life, he was right there. I have prayed and felt like it was hitting the ceiling. I have prayed prayers that would be embarrassing if they were ever to be aired out to anybody else. I have consistently fallen short of what he has for me. And I am still, after all of these years, so slow to obey. And I'm going to see him face to face. And on that day, on that day, what I will hear is well done. Can you believe that? That what's waiting on me is well done. I'm going to be tempted to argue. Really? Did you, did you see that whole thing with... Did you hear when I said... And Jesus will remind me that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That there won't be an eye roll. Parents of teenagers, amen? <laughs> we love y'all. There won't be an eye roll. There won't be a lecture. Teenagers, amen? There won't be any loaded questions. Just a face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus. And a well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. And in every way I know how, I am living for that moment. And because of that, I'm not defined by a season of my life or an experience of my life, no matter how difficult or challenging. I am always defined by my, by my identity. I am always defined by the hope of what I know is coming, what is pulling me forward, that the glory is worthy of everything I could offer from now until forever. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message has been a blessing to those listening. I pray that you would continue to work in our lives in ways that are evident and easily seen. Most of all, I pray thank you for loving us and choosing us. We don't deserve it, but you are so good and so faithful and so true. We thank you for your spirit and your son. May we grow in them to your glory, Father. In Christ's holy name, 
Amen.